Happy New Year, everyone. Man, no kidding. It is a new year, a new decade, um, and it is a new season of Lunch Hour with Renault. By the way, side note, I'm just saying this because I heard it. If you were born in the 70s, right, like I was, you have lived through um, five decades, uh, two millennia, two centuries, and something else super cool like like it's a very unique time in history because the thousand year mark was also changed over right so you've got the thousand year mark you've got the hundred year mark you've got the decade mark I mean, so it's you're a, ancient oh my gosh really so much we've lived through already i'm just exhausted <laughs> uh, that's great well it is 2020 it is a new year and a new season of lunch hour with renault and as we step into this new year uh, we're going to be focusing our conversations with renault uh, around everyday life and how the gospel speaks into uh, life's questions. So if you are joining us today uh, via Facebook Live, welcome. We're glad that you are here. And we do want to encourage you to feel free to add in uh, any questions or comments uh, in the comments section. Um, and if you're listening via podcast, which actually um, we do have quite a few people who catch this conversation via podcast yeah. as they're driving uh, to and fro or wherever they're at, um, on the back end and after this conversation is over. But if you have any uh, follow-up questions or thoughts, you can always uh, feel free to send those to lunch hour at thisismosaic.org. In fact, um, as we are thinking through potential uh, discussions for future episodes, I think utilizing that um, as a place where people can ask their questions will be something that we'll be doing quite a bit of. So uh, that's lunch hour, uh, lunch and then hour, so two H's there at thisismosaic.org, so you can feel free to send an email to that, and we'd be happy to consider utilizing that as a, a topic of discussion in future episodes. So that'll be great. So this year we're going to travel through uh, our conversations with Renault, uh, the way that um, perhaps uh, Renault has had dozens, if not hundreds, of these types of conversations over the last, uh, what, 17 years that you've been doing yeah, uh, I mean, Mosaic and Certainly here at ministry. Mosaic, and then for a number of years before that in student ministries. So another f almost 15 years before that of just having to sit with people um, and having the extraordinary privilege of sitting with people uh, at tables where we are dialoguing through the things in life that are difficult to navigate and process. Information is one thing, we get information, but to process that information or to process spaces or to process life journey I feel is very much sort of the space of pastoral um, joy and care. And so uh, I am excited this year to be at this table and just to kind of navigate some spaces that I typically find myself at coffee tables quite often with, with the people that I get to interact and do life with. Right, yeah. And kind of our hope with this approach in this uh, second season of Lunch Hour with Renault is that everyone that's listening in uh, that we would see how the gospel impacts mm -hmm. each of our life's circumstances. And really, that's what these conversations at a table with you uh, have often yeah. thought. I've been on the other side of that table yeah. many a time, yep. and uh, I mean, that's I've, what it is. I've always said, and, and I mean this legitimately, I, I, I feel a little odd a lot because I always say I've, I've only got two things to bring to the table. My life, so my own experience, and the gospel, yeah. and the collision between those two spaces and my wrestle in it. That, yeah. That's all I've got. So whatever topic we're going to pick whatever day, at any coffee table I'm ever at, um, my, my, my uh, focus for my own personal journey as well as the journey of whomever I'm interacting with is 
coming back to, okay, if what, uh, if, if the scriptures are the truth that God has revealed and the gospel is our reality, then what, what changes in, in the way we engage in this space that we're experiencing right. because we believe that truth? Right. And, and, and that's the only relevant question in any conversation, I think, to a large extent is, here, here's a situation or here's a reality or here's an experience or here's a thought. I know the gospel to be true. Does that change anything? Sometimes right. the answer may be, doesn't change much. Do the same thing that you would have. And, and, but often it goes, yeah, this would have been my next process or thought or experience but now I know this, right. so that changes everything. Yeah, in terms of our life circumstances themselves, uh, nothing about what we believe really changes those. Like no. the circumstances that we find ourselves in are the circumstances that we find themselves in. Sometimes our actions lead to those. Absolutely. Um, but what we think about those circumstances and then what we do about those circumstances absolutely yeah. changes based on what we believe yep. about the gospel. And that's how... Um, you know, what we believe about Jesus changes our lives. That's right. right. And even how we ended up in those circumstances, when we examine that, then, this, then the gospel has things to say about that. Absolutely. Oh, I ended up in these circumstances because I wasn't believing the truths of God. Right. So now these are my circumstances. Then the gospel says, okay, well, that's okay. Yeah. Then what do we do about that? Yeah. Or, no, no, I didn't do anything but ended up in these circumstances. Illness is often the case sure. and things like that or, yeah. or, or circumstances that catch us blindsided or whatever. Yeah. And we're like, okay, but the gospel also speaks to that then. Right. Okay, you didn't get into this a particular way, but how do we navigate through it or in it as we walk through? And and that is really the essence of our life journey is in each and every circumstance, with each and every relationship, and with every single resource we have, our life, sort of the accumulation of our life, circumstances, resources, relationships. As we do life and encounter those things, how does knowing and believing the gospel impact, influence, inform yeah. those spaces. So I always say we are either informed by culture, by ourselves, or by the gospel. Right. That's what we're informed by. Right. Our discussion should always be at any coffee table, okay, how does the gospel inform this? And right. how do I then walk in that? Yeah, so this year we're going to try to uh, bring those discussions to this table. And it'll be a mixture of, hey, uh, here's the circumstance I find myself in, or here's the circumstance I, I found myself in because of some actions that I've taken. Now what? Now what do we do from here? How do we think about this? How do we process this? And, and where do we go with this? And I think it's going to be a really fun uh, year. Uh, as we, I, I, I really am excited. Yeah, as we step in. So it's yep. going to be really good. I, I think our hope um, is kind of twofold in that, number one, that everyone listening would see how the gospel impacts each of our life circumstances, which we just talked about. But then number two, that we as a church community um, at Mosaic, we would develop a shared language and belief for conversations we may have with loved ones, with coworkers, with friends, yeah. with others, because the reality is today we're going to experience lunch hour with Renault, right? Yeah. Uh, but hopefully, as we do experience lunch hour with Renault, you're pointing us to the gospel, you're pointing us to God's word, you're pointing us to Jesus, and we develop new belief, new language, new yeah. thought process, so that when we're sitting at that table and someone's having lunch with us, so yeah. it's lunch hour with Joel or whomever yep. uh, might be in that spot yep. that we're able to do like you do with us. We're able to say, okay, here's where we find ourselves. 
what is what is the big picture of the gospel? What does the Bible say about yeah. this, and how can we begin to process it? Yeah, and I, I think you know that I'm very excited about in a format like this, partly because oftentimes when I'm at a table with somebody and we are talking there, it's just a cup of coffee. It's not scripted, right? I mean, that's the whole point. Right. So we talk about many things, and as we're dialoguing through these things, I, I, I will share thoughts and things, and they will share questions and thoughts and things, and together as we dialogue, uh, this this beauty emerges of how this collision happens. And right. I'll often hear this at the end, like, oh, I wish I took notes, or oh, I wish I could go back. And, and we listen what, to this yeah, conversation. What they're saying really is, I'm going to leave here. I have a clarity now, but I'm not sure that I would be able to articulate that clarity right. with somebody else if I were ever in the reverse situation. Yes. This essentially affords us the space of it's going to be recorded. Yeah. So now think of a cup of coffee, and after we're done, we both get to say, oh, good, we can go back and watch this again if we ever encounter a situation where we're going to have a lunch with someone in this circumstance, and we can go back, listen, take some mental notes, listen again, take some mental notes. By the time yeah. we end up in the conversation, say, I actually am clear in my head. It's not a conversation I had with Renault nine and a half months ago that I really don't remember now, sure. other than I felt better. Yeah. It's, no, no, I remember why I felt better, because I saw clearly. And yeah. now I can actually bring clarity to you. If this space affords us that, then I'm super That's thrilled. Great. So we have some people joining us uh, today, and so thank you for being with us uh, live. We've got John and April Gill, Caleb Brazier. What's up, Caleb? Caleb, so lead pastor at The Grove. Caleb, we love you. Miss you, buddy. Uh, Jamie Morton. We've got Samantha Abney, Juan Morales, Guy Bouchard, and others. Um, hey, Guy. So, Good yeah. to see you, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for being with us today as we jump into our, our kind of our first discussion um, you know, a lot of people that we know and love uh, here at Mosaic um, have been walking through loss and walking through uh, suffering um, recently. Yeah. Um, some people that have been struggling with, um, you know, sickness and uh, their family members uh, seeing, seeing that and walking, uh, you know, through that with them and even seeing those family members pass away. And, um, and so, you know, oftentimes people are sitting in a spot uh, where they're watching this happen, or they're the one that's that's experiencing this happen, and they're asking, God, where in the world are you yeah. in this? What in the world are you doing in this? God, you're 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 there. You're powerful, right? Uh, can you do something about this? And yep. we pray, and we we seek, and we hope, and we long, yep. and we find ourselves in a spot where, man, the the cancer is not going away, yep. or. Um, you know, the, the, the sickness that the doctors just cannot figure this out. Um, what do you do in that space? And how do you begin to process that with people, um, with, with loved ones, people who I know you love and that yeah. you have walked with? Yeah. Um, when, you're, when you're sitting across that table, um, as we are today, what, what yeah. are some of the conversations that you, that you begin to enter in uh, in the midst of that suffering? Yeah, you know... Um it, it it has been a quite a season here mm -hmm. at Mosaic, and I don't I, I don't know that it is unusual insofar as that uh, it, it's some uniqueness that suddenly uh, it seems people are struggling and suffering. It's 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 far more I think the the consequence, and I mean that in sort of a good way, of both the the size of the ministry we're part of now. So if you have a hundred people and ten percent of them are struggling with cancer, let's say. Mm -hmm. Well, that's going to be 10 people. If you have a thousand people, that's going to be a hundred people. If you have 
4,000 people, that's going to be 400 people. Right. So when you suddenly go, it seems so many more people than before are struggling with things. I'm like, the percentages are about the same. We just have a lot more people. Right. And then when you have a vulnerable community like we do, at least I think to a large extent we do, People are doing life together. Yeah. They're more connected. So both our joys and our uh, struggles are on the table. We're not pretending. We're not hiding. We do know each other. So when you are going through hard things from early in the journey till late in the journey, more of us are part of it. Right. So it, 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 it is both beautiful and brutal because it's beautiful because we're doing what we're supposed to do, doing life together. We don't find out about things at the very end when there's no choice not to. We find out about things at the diagnosis. And so we've got months or years of journey with our friends. And I love that about this place. Yeah. I love that this is a place of journey. Right. What that then does though, is it creates a space where we all have to grapple with more than we usually do. Where typically somebody finds out, so for example, that there's a diagnosis of some kind and they're journeying through the, the chemo journey in the cancer setting or the surgeries in some other settings, and they haven't really told anyone other than a very, very, very small group of people, maybe family, but the church, we find out, but the general conversation is, how are you, uh, you know, recovering, or it, it's hard, but quick lobby conversation, end of story. Then you go, 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 and toward the end of that, you find out it didn't go well, and so maybe someone passes away or something happens, and then we deal with loss. So loss is one word, and, mm -hmm. and that's really not what, what I think we need to start in our discussion with, because how to deal with loss is a discussion. Totally. What we're finding we're dealing with a lot is suffering and sorrow. Yeah. Now, suffering and sorrow is included in the loss conversation. Absolutely. But suffering and sorrow starts long, long, long before the loss conversation, and actually... A lot of the answers to the lost conversation are not the same answers as the answers to the suffering and sorrow conversation. Because suffering and sorrow has a longevity to it. Right. And it is also a, a, a constant conflict of what does it mean to have faith, to pray for things, not to see things occur the way you want. Right. When you get to the lost part, you're dealing with loss. But the suffering and sorrow feels a little bit more daily and a little bit more like... God, where are you in this? And yeah. so what I tend to find and have found lately, both on a personal level as well as on a pastoral level, is that much of our journey lately has not so much been exclusively or even primarily the journey of loss. That one, we typically and rightly bring the gospel's hope for a future into play. It's not the only thing we bring into play, but this person who has been lost to us, remember, what we know of the gospel of their future and ours. And, and we deal with loss there. And then we deal with the grief journey. What does the grief journey look like? How do you navigate that? What has God designed us? How has God designed us to grieve? That's sort of the loss discussion, right? Mm. The suffering and sorrow discussion is where, where is God? Is he powerful or not? Does he answer prayers or not? Uh, how, how does all that work? So, so different so, ball game. Renault, imagine it's me, yeah. and and we're sitting down, yep. and I've just shared with you. This is we're at we're at um, you know maybe we're six months into the journey, yep. maybe twelve months into the yep. journey, and you've known about the diagnosis, you've known about kind of the the beginning of that journey, and and we're talking, and it's yep. lunch, and and part of part of what I'm going through is. Okay, now I, I'm I'm far enough out from the original diagnosis yep. that I've I've been wrestling for a oh, while, yeah. Yeah. and I'm asking a lot of questions. Yep. Right, I'm asking questions about God. 
Um, I'm, I'm asking questions about whether or not he might heal me. Yeah. I'm asking questions about what, what should what, I pray? How should I pray? Yeah. What should, should I pray for healing? Shouldn't I? Is, is that okay? What should I expect? Why is God doing this? Yeah. Right. I, mean, I don't have to make this stuff up. Like Just these are the these have been my conversations over the last six months with some of my dearest, dearest friends yeah. because they've walked through things. Um, you know, the two contexts most recently that I've had to journey the whole ride with, not just parts of it. Um, one, one of my dear friends, and many of you know, uh, Linda Baker and her story here at Mosaic and the many years we've journeyed together. And then recently her leaving this planet and going home to be with her groom and her God and her savior, which I'm thrilled for her for. But Linda's journey was a diagnosis years ago of a disease that was that, that had significant effect on her ability to breathe and so on. And so it was, I mean, it's in a space that you feel every day. And it, it was up and down and over years, lots of amazing things happened and difficult things happened and the constant wrestle of, is God healing? Isn't he healing? And I journeyed through all of that in the spaces with her and with those around her. And then in the, in the later days, when things got really hard and cancer entered the story as well. So now you have the, the lung disease, now you have cancer entering in. And now all the questions really begin, right? Like, God, isn't this enough that there's a lung disease? Why cancer on top of that? Or is, is there something that maybe I did wrong that, that, that this is, we, we've wrestled through that together? Um, or, or this, and, and I think Linda, because she had such an incredible clarity of the gospel, like there, there was not much wrestle with, uh, with the, the doubt of, of God, though much doubt was in there in things, as we will all have in our journey. But her real wrestle was the, the why, I think, what, why the suffering, and, and the how, which was the, the big one for Linda. I want to glorify God in this. How do I worship? How do I celebrate when I'm in pain? Uh, in other words, when suffering and sorrow is my dailiness, how do I navigate that? How do I get away from the, the, the heaviness of suffering and sorrow and into the spaces of joy? So she actually once said to me for, more recently before she passed, like, how do I find joy? J- joy has been my thing. It's what I do. It's how I worship. How do I find joy when I'm in pain every day? Mm. You know, you're like, so I, I sit in those spaces and I'm like, that's a great question. And, and we have to wrestle with that. We have to bring the gospel to that table. Um, my other circumstance uh, that I've had the privilege to journey with and, and still I am is one of my best friends, Scott and Julie um, South. You know, their daughter, Bella, um, traveled through a lifetime of su- suffering, uh, things unimaginable that, that, that I had the privilege of, of watching. Even, you know, I, I remember um, I, I had this little... Um, a thing on my arm and I had a band-aid on a bunch and every time I pulled the band-aid off after about three weeks you know you have that redness from the band-aid and, and the skin is sensitive there and and, and so it, it kind of hurts uh, Bella needed uh, changes for, for these giant uh, sticky things on her chest uh, mm. on, on a daily basis for years like I cannot begin to describe to you mm. the fear and pain that exists in a little seven-year-old when you're like it's time for that 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 stuff to be changed mm. and you're like please God no so this, the, the, the level of physical yeah. suffering and profound emotional journey, and then to have a five-organ transplant, and then to see hope arise, and then to see it diminish, and then eventually at 10 and a half years old to leave this planet. And, and I, I had, I had a, somebody in our congregation uh, ask me the question, um, how do you get on the stage after Bella's death and preach these hopeful messages of the gospel? When suffering and sorrow is all that God seemed to affect on this, and he didn't answer the prayers for her to live on, 
how can someone that young die? And, and, and forget die. She didn't actually say die. She said, suffer that much for right. that long. Right. And we can still get on a stage and say, God is, God is good. Here's the gospel. So, I mean, these are the, these are the spaces that we wrestle with. And, and, and so um, approaching Linda's life celebration. Um, I, I generally have some clarities when I approach those spaces of life celebrations, funerals, uh, about Jesus's promises for the future and, yeah. and reshaping them so that they're not just pixie dust. You know, there's a mansion with a room. You must be so happy. But what does that really mean? And how does that really play? And what was Jesus really saying? And I right, typically right. bring that to the table when we step in those spaces because it is what gives us hope and loss. Right. But this particular funeral uh, or life celebration and the conversations I've had of late are, are not as much about loss as much as about suffering and sorrow. And where is God in that? Yeah. And so, I mean, I've, I've had to wrestle with that. And God showed me some extraordinarily profound things that I've known but reminded me of again um, it, that reshapes our clarity of how to process suffering and sorrow. So if, if you or some, someone you know is in the midst of a journey full of suffering and sorrow, these are the things that I would encourage you at this, at this table that, that I would speak in uh, and speak to. And, and, and before I, I do, just let me say one thing. There are 20 other questions that we will leave on this table for now because we do not have time in, in an hour to cover sure. about how prayer works and what we should pray. Now, those aren't the questions I'm going to answer right now. They are real questions you ought to answer. And by the way, they are answers for them. So I'm not, not answering them because I'm like, yep, still at a loss. But, and even why God can be both good and powerful while things like this go on on planet Earth, there are legitimate real answers to those things that are not pixie dust. But For that's sure. not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about today is how do I walk in sorrow and in suffering? What, what does that look like? Or walk with someone in sorrow and suffering and not think, where is God and what is he up to? Yeah. How do I pray in those spaces? How do I engage in those spaces? So I begin here. Um, Linda asked me that question. I, I shared that with you at a coffee table, at, at a coffee table, literally. Um, and I, the first thing that I said to Linda was that in Scripture, the beauty of Scripture is that God did not hide all the bad stories from us or the, all the hard stories from us. Scripture is not a collection of joy, joy, and not a collection of hard, hard, right? So coming out of Bella's space, which was just a few months earlier from Linda's space, um, a sermon emerged uh, fairly recently, actually, where Bella's story kind of entered the sermon, and we talked about a uh, picture Bella drew with joy, joy, joy uh, in this space. And then she was under this mountain of grief and sorrow. Yeah. And her friend, uh, Harper, had gone to heaven and she had joy, joy, joy. And we have sorrow, 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 right? Mm -hmm. and, and there was just this clarity of this future hope that the, the gospel gives us. So there's loss. But now Linda's asking me, I'm not in joy, joy, joy yet. Right. That's either die and go to heaven or this mountain of sorrow and suffering leaves. That's how we get to joy, joy, joy. Her question is, what do I do with this mountain? Different question. Yeah. So the first thing I said to her was that the scripture affords us a great deal of stories where such hard things were happening, but yet worship continued. But the worship did not continue in joy and celebration. It continued in lament and struggle. That lamenting, this word lamenting, to be sorrowful, to to complain, but not complain in the hopeless way, to bring your complaint to the Lord in this, I know who you are, 
So I bring this to you because I cannot carry this. So I come to you to say, despite this, you are good. I know that. So I worship you in this insofar as I get to see your character b- b- past this. That, that's a first step. Just to acknowledge this, there is worship, a form of worship that is lament. Lament is not the opposite of worship. Lament is worship. And I think that's a really freeing and paradigm-shifting concept. Yes. Um, you, know, you read the Psalms, you see David, and you yeah. hear him, you know, Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will yeah. you forget me? Yeah. How long will you hide your face against me? I did Electio Divina with this last night. Like how how my my enemies are overcoming the the enemy is laughing at me. Yep. Like and and if if you don't give light to my eyes right now, I'm gonna sleep yeah. to death. Yeah. There's this there's this uh, boldness of coming to God and saying, This is not okay. Yep. yep. And I think yep. a lot of times, depending yep. on on how we're brought up in church or or what we've maybe heard about God. We either think maybe one of two wrong things. Yep. We we feel like I God is so holy and so uh, righteous and so good that if I dare say anything like that to him, he's going to strike me down. Right. Yep. And and we think of some version of that. Yep. Yep. Um, and so we don't approach God in this way of lament. No, we don't. Or we think that the way that we have a good life is we make sure that we focus on all the positive things. That's right. Uh, we That's right. only think about our blessings. We only think yep. about the, the, the good things in life. Yep. We have faith or we trust that, that whatever the circumstance is, God is going to make the circumstance better. That's right. And that that is the way that we ought to approach the, the struggle or the difficulty in our life. We either think of one of those two things. Yep. And lament is this beautiful third yes. space that says, no, no. I do want you to bring this to the table. So, yep. so, yep. so when we see this Psalm 13, or we see Job after yep. yeah. his family gets Jeremiah, decimated. Isaiah, Job, uh, David. I mean, I can go. I can list them on. out. They spoke of great joy and celebrated, and they lamented well. Those guys, all of them, they lamented well. I mean, I, by the way, if you ever see me pull my phone out and start doing stuff at a table like this, I always tell the people I actually have coffee with if I do that. Uh, I'm not being rude or checking texts. A thought has occurred, and I want to go find a quote or a Bible verse or a dictionary definition of something. So if you ever see me doing that, now usually at a regular coffee table, I won't be looking down and ignoring you while I did like I did with Joel when he was talking. I <laughs> will okay. say something like that. It's okay. That. I'm used to Renault yeah, ignoring no. me when I talk. I'll say something like, hey, give me a second. I want to find something. But in this case, uh, the definition of lament just by the dictionary, to feel or express sorrow right? To mourn for or over something. I, I, th- I think in many ways, the idea of feeling sorrow or mourning, we feel opposes faith. Mm. So what we say is if I have faith, then I'm going to have faith that I choose joy and despite circumstance because the circumstance mm. is bad and my faith requires me to be joyful despite circumstance. So we go to things like James, consider it joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because it's the testing of your faith. We equate that to, because I have faith, I must choose joy. Right. That is not at all one what that verse means at all, but also what God calls us to. God actually frees us to say, when a circumstance or a relational dynamic or a resource challenge uh, uh, brings sorrow to the table, suffering to the table, the appropriate response to that in worship is lament, to grieve over that, to be sorrowful, to mourn. 
I mourn what sin has done on this planet. Right. I mourn what death is doing on this planet. Mm. I mourn what it's doing to me. I mourn when I sin because I know I'm not believing because sin is on, in my flesh still. Right. I mourn when a disease occurs. I mourn when I see suffering because suffering on this planet and sorrow on this planet in its form on this planet is, is, the, is the effect of sin. Remember that in, in, in um, uh, Revelation 21, where John sees a vision of our future, not only a vision, but he's there present in it because time is different for God. And he sees the new Jerusalem come down and heaven and earth, the new heaven and earth. And he says, God wipes every tear away. And then it literally says there, there was and will never be again any more sorrow, suffering, uh, death, mourning. It's gone. Yeah. So sorrow and suffering in, in that form is not a space that exists when perfection and God is present, right? So we get to say it's terrible that we have to have this present in our space. And right now I am suffering. So I got to say to Linda, like, let's learn to worship and lament. Let's learn the freedom of saying, God, when I come to you in sorrow, I'm not violating faith. Right. When I come to you in, in, in mourning, I'm not violating faith. Right. I don't have to be joyful to worship. Hallelujah. I can come and worship this way. I'm dying here, God. I, the weightiness is too much for me. I have nothing. I can't take the pain anymore. You are my only hope for grace and sustenance in this. Mm. And by the way, if you would take this pain from me, just FYI, super grateful I will be. Yeah. It's, that is not a faithless experience. That is a faithful experience. So the first thing I always come to in my own life and for those suffering is I get to say to them, Suffering and sorrow solicits lament, and lamenting can be worship. Now, lamenting and complaining are different. They look almost the same because lamenting is part bringing a complaint. Complaining is not being sorrowful, but being mad, <laughs> being discouraged. And we, we, we must watch for those things because we will have them. We will feel them. Lamenting is a bringing to one we trust that which is bothersome or terrible or mournful. And so, but again, we have ignored lamenting under the ideology that says any form of lamenting, acknowledging the horror of this is faithless. And I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah, I think that distinction between um, I, I am just plain mad and I'm complaining yep. um, and being able to bring my complaint before God who yep. I trust Yeah is a very different thing. And I think it a lot, a lot of it has to do with what is the attitude of our heart in yep. that? And is it, is it uh, the, the attitude of I'm coming to my father who loves me. Yep. I know he cares about the circumstance that I'm in. And so I'm going to bring this to the table yep. and he may, you know, it's, it's recognizing his ways are higher and all yep. of those things, yep. but, but that I'm not just going to be silent and yep. just hope it gets all better. I'm yep. going to come to the one who can actually uh, meet me where I'm at. Yep. Um, and not only that, but I think the, 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 the fruit, the ultimate fruit of lament versus the ultimate fruit of complaint, right? In its, it, it, initially, it starts looking the same. I'm coming and shouting at God. Where are you? Who are you? Why? David totally. did. David did. Jeremiah just, yeah. where, where, how long will you be silent? Yeah. I mean, that, that was worship in the book of Psalms, right? So uh, it looks the same. Where it leads us is very different. Lament leads us into God's space, into greater intimacy where we wrestle with him. You with me? Mm -hmm. It is my child coming to me mad at me 
why didn't you do this? And why don't you love me this way? And I get to then sit with them and go, those are great questions. So, so let's, let's do this. Versus the child that goes and isolates in their room and doesn't want anything to do with me right. because they're mad. So complaint and madness tends to lead us into isolation from God, greater and greater distance. Whereas lament leads us into greater and greater wrestle with God. Wrestle with God is a good thing. And sorrow and suffering, uh, the gospel invites us into wrestling with God in sorrow and suffering. The world invites us into isolation from God in sorrow and suffering. Wow, that's a really So that's a profound difference that the gospel says is when God feels distant from you or suffering is heavy, come to him and scream at him. That's okay. Don't run from him and ignore him. And so... That, 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 that is the beginning point of this, as I say, suffering and sorrow affords us an opportunity to come and wrestle with God. Be okay with that. That is not faithless. That is faithful. Now, then there is another profound evolution to this. So before Go, we get sorry. there, can I just read one, one ver- uh, a section of the Bible that I think is so big to this? I guess. So Psalm 142, uh, this is from David. With my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see. There is no one who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. This is how David's feeling. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. And I think there's, there's, there's the key, right? Yep. Yep. I'm bringing my complaint yep. to the Lord Here I am. versus I'm isolating away yep. from the Lord. And I don't mean bringing my complaint like I'm going to lay it before you and leave it with you because you're really big. I'm shouting at you. Like I'm, I'm, right. I'm here. I, I don't understand. And I'm telling you that like you'll see in scripture and so Jeremiah does this. I love Jeremiah is kind of one of my favorite when yeah. it comes to lament, Weeping prophet. Um, but, but, but also uh, uh, David does and others do where they come to God and they go, where are you? Yeah. Why are you silent? Like, yeah. it's not just, I have a complaint. I'm going to lay it at your feet. I'm coming with my complaint. So there's lament for you, right? Now, now that, that, that then evolved in my discussion, both with Linda, but also in my beautiful journey that I've had with the South family and those touched by Bella's journey is, is then this question. Okay, got it. I, I know how to engage in these hard spaces in terms of my worship, but what's the point of these things? Like mm. sorrow and suffering, what, what's the point? Like, why would God, is it just that like, God's kind of going, well, it's just a consequence of planet death. Right, it's a sinful planet. And, and look, that is one of the answers. Sure, sure. Well, it is a consequence of planet death. That is not a, a, a wrong answer. It is right that had sin not ever entered in and, and had death not been its fruit, then we would have none of this. Yeah, but that's, that's why it's here. But that's, that's why it's not, here. What is its that's purpose? That's not, why would God leave it in play? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is its purpose? Now, the answer to that question are, is twofold, and one of the parts I can't answer here, not because I don't know, but it's an hour in of itself, and sure. it's a theological journey, and, and I did answer it in part in, for example, I did a message years ago, seven or eight years ago, it, it would be under our standalone messages called Losing Hope, Oh yeah. Um, where uh, a situation happened where we lost my daughter when she was three on the beach and we found her, but somebody else had had a similar circumstance and they never found, and they asked me, how come God answered that prayer and not this one? And I was like, no idea. And so I went and wrestled and, and God showed me a, a journey and I preached that. That that sermon is sort of a touch on it. Yeah. But what I want to answer today is not so much 
the theological nature of why sorrow and suffering or why sin is allowed to continue in, in God's sovereignty. That can be another episode. That's another, that we can sure. do that. Yeah. This one is, what is the, what, is there a purpose in sorrow and suffering other than just it's a consequence uh, of this? Because if it's just a consequence, well, then I know what to do. I either bear it or I avoid it or I um, tolerate it, right? So is the answer, if you are, sorrow, if you are suffering and, and, and you are in sorrow, j- just endure it. So how, God give me the grace to endure it or try to uh, escape it, avoid it, get rid of it. Ask God, so here's what we're asking God when it comes to sorrow and suffering. God help me endure it or God take it away, right? And isn't that what we always pray? Now, let me just be clear. I think it's totally appropriate in lament to pray for both those things. Hey God, it would be very helpful if you would allow this to go away because sorrow and suffering is no fun. And God, while I am in it, please help me endure it for as long as it has to linger. That's basically what Jesus did in Gethsemane. Yes, so those are appropriate, but there is also an additional clarity that the gospel brings to us that means those are both true, but there's something far more profoundly wondrous happening that gives us more than an enduring and more than a desire to escape, but also a sense of like, while I'm in this, I am going to extract from this gospel beauty beyond imagination if I remember what's happening around me. So hmm. let me explain. Hmm. And if you were at Linda's life celebration, some of this was certainly touched on, but I'm going to add one Last component I didn't there, I purposely left off there, but t- today I will bring it to the table because it is perhaps what brings it all together. So years and years ago, I read a book um, called Hind's Feet in High Places. It is an allegory. So obviously, you know what that means is it's a picture of something real. And so in this particular book, there is a little deer that lives in a valley called the Valley of Fears. And this deer's name is Much Afraid. And her uh, her cousins and her family are people like um, uh, 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 craven fear <laughs> and uh, pride and, and a number of names. So all the, the names of our experiences with the, the, the sin and the death that separates us from God. And she lives in the valley. And she is out in the fields just outside the valley and encounters a shepherd, the shepherd. And the shepherd comes from the high places. And the shepherd invites her to the high places. But she is deformed. She doesn't have hinds feet. So deer have these hinds feet that allow them to climb the rocks on a mountain. But if, you're, if one of your hinds feet or your hinds feet, your, your, your feet don't work, then you can't climb to the high places. So she is unable to come to the high places on her own. She does not have any capacity. Mm. But the shepherd invites her to the high places and says he will lead her there, but doesn't know what that means. So this is the allegory, right? Um, eventually, long story short, uh, much afraid, says to the shepherd, I'm going to trust you you take me to the high places. And then there's this journey that ensues, and the book is really the journey to the high places, mm-hmm. okay? And her, her becoming who she was meant to be and the healing of her legs, not so much a healing that would be a physical as much as the profound healing of our dead souls and then our sanctification. But anyways, the, the, the thing is this. On her journey early on in the book, um, uh, the shepherd comes to her and says... Um, you will need some companions on your journey that will help you uh, get to the high places because the journey will be very difficult at times. There's valleys on the way. It's, I mean, it's a beautiful book. If you've never read the book or for many of you, if you read it long, long ago, go read it again. And mm-hmm. when, the, when the companions come, there's this quote in, in the book where the two companions show up and the shepherd is there and he says, these are your companions. And the book says they were silent, didn't say anything, and they were veiled 
So, I mean, imagine like, you know, the Grim Reaper kind of picture and you're like, <laughs> and so much afraid, it says she looked at them and she felt the fear and the silence. And, the, and so she says to the shepherd, who are they? Uh, they don't feel safe. And the shepherd says, well, they, they have names in, in, in the high places in my kingdom, but they also have names that translate into your world. I'm going to share with you their names that you will know them by and you will journey with them. And later on, I will share with you what they're called in my kingdom. And so he says to them, this is sorrow and this is suffering. Wow. And then she's, she actually in the book, she has like a, a temper tantrum and she's like, no, 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 hold on. There's no way I'm traveling with these two. Right. Like, this is going to be hard enough. Are you out of your mind? Like, no, sorrow and suffering? How about joy and celebration? Right. How about, and she actually, like, and, and he essentially says, you have no idea how strong these two are. And they are my companions for you. I've chosen them. They are who you need. And this is, you have to trust me now. Right. So there's this profound, like, she doesn't take their hands, so they start traveling. And the book progressively, it gets to one point. This is one of my, my favorite uh, quotes in, in the book. It, it says this. Um, it says, uh, da, 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 leaping. Uh, pride comes, dessert. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Hold on one second. Um, where does it? I'll get to it. Places. They become her, her friends. Hold on here. It, but it says it so beautifully. In the Valley of Loss, I think. So she walks through the Valley of Loss. It's so beautiful. Oh, here we go. Much Afraid was now accepting her two guides more as friends and companions as she seemed to be more alive than ever before to the beauty and delight of the world around her. She was enjoying more every little detail of her life um, as these friends led her. So there's this journey where she starts looking at sorrow and suffering as friends, and eventually she's holding their hand. And actually, at one point toward the end of the book, she has to jump into this valley where the grave is, the dying of self. And it is sorrow and suffering whose hand she takes to launch her into mm. it. So there is this clarity that suffering and sorrow is the result of sin and death and is intended for our destruction. But God has redeemed suffering and sorrow to wow. something far more beautiful because we've said often here, God's redeemed our trials into beauty. The trials themselves still effectively circumstantially do what they did, but their fruit or their impact is utterly other now. Where it was once our destruction because of the gospel, it is our maturing, it is and our perseverance, it is our completeness. Yeah. It isn't that the trial changed, it's that God changed its results. So it's almost like, and I've always said this, I love this about God, your enemy is bringing his arsenal to you to destroy you. And I'm taking his arsenal and not getting it away from you. I'm letting his arsenal have the fruit of life. So right. can you imagine I come and throw a punch to knock you out? And every time I punch you, you become stronger. At what point do I go, this is crazy. Right. That's how I feel about the enemy. He punches and God goes, thank you. Yeah. He's like, no, no, not thank you. That was a horrible thing. Yep but I've redeemed it to do mm. something else. Now, suffering yeah. and sorrow. Suffering and sorrow. God says in Scripture in multiple formats, as we encounter suffering and sorrow, and it leads us to lament on this planet, He will use suffering and sorrow to do extraordinary things in our journey of both clarity of who He is in the gospel as well as our ability to make Him known. 
it is true in this world. If you do not know Jesus and you just won the lottery, both of you will respond about exactly the same, right? Or some wonderful thing just happened to you. The world without Jesus and the world with Jesus look exactly the same when great things happen. The world without Jesus and the world with Jesus look utterly different mm. when sorrow and suffering are in play. Yeah. And so it's actually in sorrow and suffering that we both get to experience things of God that in no other place we will, right. but that we also have the opportunity to make things known of God in no other way that we ever will yeah. in such profound difference. Now, sorrow and suffering, travel with much afraid. Turns out sorrow and suffering, like the scripture says, matures her, shapes her, gives her hinds feet. She makes it to the high places toward the end of the book. Sorry, I'm going to give this away. Oh, well, read yeah. the book. Spoiler alert. Suffering and sorrow are with her at the very end. And the shepherd says to her, do you want to know what their names are in my kingdom? So the same two people, now they're going, you're going to get their real names, God's version of suffering and sorrow. And he says, their names are grace and glory. Mm. Which even sitting here, I'm like, if I can just wrap my head around that, because that's what scripture does teach. I'm not making this up. That when I am in the midst of suffering and sorrow, yes, I could pray for endurance because suffering and sorrow feels heavy. Yes, I ask God, what is causing suffering and sorrow? Would you take it so that I no longer need suffering and sorrow? But if it is here to stay for now, instead of me living in this space that I'm constantly begging you to, to, to remove them from me and begging you to help me endure, and all I think is suffering and sorrow is here to be endured or to be escaped from. What if suffering and sorrow is here to be embraced while I have it? Not to say that I don't grieve suffering and sorrow because it is the result of sin in, in, in the here and now, but that I say, thank God that those suffering and sorrow's names are suffering and sorrow right now and feel heavy and dark. When they are finished with the work he has now redeemed them to do in me, they will be my grace and glory. Wow. I will know things of God I will walk in ways with God that I have never and would never have been able to do. I will know God in eternity in a different way. Paul put it this way, that I might share in your suffering, that I may right. also share in the greater resurrection. Paul wasn't meaning if I don't suffer, I don't resurrect. He was like, the more I experience grace and glory in the future, in, in the form of suffering and sorrow now, the more I will know of you and your redemption and the more of the resurrection I will understand and experience when I die. Wow. So imagine that we would show up someday on the other side of eternity and we would come awake and say, whoa, 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 whoa. In an American society or Western society, while I was constantly creating a world to avoid as much suffering and sorrow, or when I was in it pretending it wasn't there because I thought that was faith, or just running from it at every turn, it was, in fact, the whole time, a part of what you were going to affect for my grace and glory. This is what Paul says. Um, he says this in uh, first, or Second Corinthians, rather, uh, chapter 12. Um, he's talking about the thorn in the flesh, right? He says, but he said, to, this is Jesus, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, 
then I am strong. Yes, and I think we've, we've often interpreted that exclusively as suffering and sorrow is terrible, God will be my strength in it, or in my weakness, he is strong. In other words, the endurance piece, right. which is true. Yep. That is not a wrong, that is true. Yeah. But what the scripture then leads us to is, no, not only will he be enough for us in it, he is using it to make us something more. Yeah. So it becomes our grace and glory. So while wow. I am enduring suffering and sorrow, I am also mm. celebrating the grace and glory that will be mine because of it. It is not mine now because the shepherd was clear. In your world, it is known as suffering and sorrow. In my world, suffering and sorrow becomes grace and glory. So Linda and I came to that place together mm. where Linda realized if God heals me of this suffering and sorrow, I will praise him. Yeah. And if he does not, I will praise him because yeah. my grace and glory will be realized one way or the other. And in fact, through suffering and sorrow, I know more of God than ever before. Linda would say that. She, and you that knew her, you know. She would say, perhaps nothing in all of my journey in life has brought me to greater clarity of God's love and beauty than this. And then I would argue so, so, so you're saying suffering and sorrow has brought you to grace and glory. Mm. And she would say now, without a doubt, but even then, yes. Scott South and, and Julie and that journey, though grief and lament and sorrow is still very much the order of the day, yeah. as it should be. It's been a few months and it will be for many months, perhaps years to come. Yeah. The clarity that is, yes, I don't know what to do with all that grief yet, but I also know God has done things and shown us things and is showing us things that I can't imagine not knowing. And so the collision on planet Earth is that suffering and sorrow is in the here and now producing grace and glory, but it is feeling so heavy still that we cannot quite reconcile the grace and glory with the suffering and sorrow other than this feeling we have like, I know beauty has and is emerging, but I still feel so heavy in this. But where we can find great hope in suffering and sorrow is that this will, by God's promise, become grace and glory. So for now, I endure and I ask for escape, but that's not all I do. I also embrace. And I say, if this is where I am today, then I will walk into this trusting that grace and glory is growing as we speak. Mm. So show me God in this suffering where grace and glory is to be found and the way grace and glory is developing in me. Then when we put the theological journey I told you we're not gonna talk about today, which we're not, into play, with the clarity of suffering and sorrow, with the hope of a future that we have in loss, suddenly the journey of loss and suffering and struggle and sorrow is informed by the gospel in a way that says to us, it doesn't make lament disappear. In fact, it invites lament, mm. but it gives us hope and trust in the goodness of what all this is, in God's goodness of redeeming it all, instead of an absence of God in it and hoping that he will someday return to fix it. And in that space, we rest, lamenting and grieving. I am lamenting uh, with my friends, the Souths, every day and lamenting with Robert and uh, the kids and Linda in, in our encounters. And I personally am lamenting the loss of my dear friends and the suffering I watched them go through. But I am absolutely clear on how good God is that he took their suffering and sorrow and instead of leaving it purposeless as a consequence of sin, 
He purposed it into their grace and glory. Mm. And I'm in. Yeah. I want to leave this planet full of grace and glory, mm. like Paul. If suffering gave me the gift of a greater resurrection, then bring on the suffering. Mm. Or at least when it's here, I embrace it. Mm. Wow. Well, we are coming up on the end of the hour, but I think it'd be great to just end our time in prayer. Yeah, and, love to. Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll close up shop. Um, so God, we just uh, thank you so much for um, how redemptive you truly are. Uh, God, that even the effects of sin um, on this planet in sorrow and in suffering, uh, that you are able to take what the the enemy meant for harm and Mm. and make it good Mm. that you are the god who uh, brings beauty uh, out of ashes and god you are the one who is with us um, in the suffering and in the sorrow and god that you are producing in us uh, a glorious and grace-filled resurrection and that that we have hope in the midst of our sorrow and our suffering that this life is not all that we have but we have a, uh, an eternity with you uh, where you will wipe all of the tears from our eyes. There will be no more need for sorrow or suffering or any of those things because we will be made new and that we will be um, glorified with you for all eternity. God, what an awesome hope. God, I pray right now for everyone uh, who is walking through sorrow, who is walking through suffering. Uh, that they would see this beautiful clarity of, of your gospel and your good news. And God, in the midst of that, uh, they would see that you have um, more for them, uh, that you have uh, grace that is sufficient for them, that there is glory uh, that is, that is uh, emerging in them and that will be realized. And God, we just pray uh, that you would do um, more than we can ask for or imagine in the midst of all of our circumstances. God, for those of us who are walking with loved ones who are in the midst of sorrow and suffering. God, give us gospel clarity to um, encourage, uh, to uh, just speak into the lives of those we love so that we can help people see you for who you are, God. And we pray all these things in mm. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, in Heinz Feet, uh, the reason it's called Heinz Feet is the verse that it speaks to is Habakkuk 3.19. And it says, He will make my feet like Heinz Feet, and he will make me to walk upon high places. Mm. And, 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 and I would just say this, uh, in the midst of sorrow and suffering, if any of you are walking in that or you have loved ones that walk in it, while you are praying for healing, which you ought to, while you are praying for God's relief of sorrow and suffering, which you ought to, that is also faithful, put your hands out over the face of sorrow and suffering. If you can imagine sorrow and suffering standing there like the Grim Reaper, veiled, Put your hands up on their face and say to suffering and sorrow, you scare me to death, but I see that behind that veil you are grace and glory. And so I will walk with you for as long as the Lord allows. And I will embrace whatever comes for the grace and glory you are. And when you do that in your mind's eye, see behind the veil a smile from sorrow and suffering saying, dear one, you have no idea how gracious and glorious this will be as you endure us now on this planet to meet us in the next world as grace and glory. And then, whether God removes it or keeps it, either way, he is good and the gospel wins. Have a great day.